0: And welcome to a new episode of The Lee Show with me, Lee Bressler. I am sitting outside in the nude recording right now. Uh, I'm nude because I ran a little over a half marathon this morning, like 13 and a half miles. And now I'm trying to cool off a little bit. It's hot. It's humid out. There's a bit of a breeze now, which is helping. Uh, I'm training for the full marathon. I um, I did one last year. I did it virtually last year. There were no in-person marathons. So uh last year's thing was you'd like run it by yourself whatever course you want and it's all measured in an app and then you submit it. Uh so I did that. It's a weird experience to to run this like thing that normally you have this, you know, it's 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 amazing. You run it with all these people and it's so fun. This was just like me running twenty six miles by myself outside. Um, I just I ran to my friend's house and back and it was exactly a marathon. Distance. Um, I discovered a couple of things last year that I liked, uh, that helped a lot. One of them was, uh, Morton. Um, uh, Morton is the Swedish company. They make these powders and gooze that I find are, um, very helpful when running. It's, it's just the right mix of carbohydrates. You know, I learned a lot about nutrition last year with regards to running because it's important when you are running a very long distance you deplete your body's entire stores of carbohydrates and you need to replenish those as you run. You need to replenish the sodium and the carbohydrates. And so I started using this Morton stuff and I found it was very effective. I think all of the actually good serious pro marathon runners are using it as well. Um, When Elliot Kipchoge did the breaking two marathon and, and did it in under two hours he was using Morton stuff they were like handing him bottles from a guy in a bicycle by the way if you've never watched that it's quite amazing to see how this guy ran a marathon in under two hours. He had these pace setters that it was like these triplets uh, these Norwegian guys that that they, they ran in front of him to block the wind and then they like swapped out people every four miles or something and then they had a car an electric car in front of them. So there wouldn't be any emissions and it had lasers pointed out of the back so that he would know exactly where to run. So it would be the most efficient path possible. Anyway, so so Morton, I thought was good. Uh, KT tape I started using last year. I found that's very helpful. It's this kinesiology tape. It's a little like something made up, uh, but you it's this super stretchy tape and you put it on different parts of your body and it is supposed to improve blood flow. I found it helped a lot. Uh, it, it got rid of pain that I had in different areas. So if you're a runner, um, by the way, if you work for one of these companies or you know someone who works for one of these companies and you want to sponsor the Lee Show, I would love to uh, to have either or both of them as a sponsor. Uh, it is the Hebrew month of Elul, which means the high holidays are coming up. I've got my tickets for synagogue. Uh, my synagogue, you have to have tickets. It's assigned seats. Um, there's like a long wait list for tickets. And we've had these seats for a number of years. Um, and and I, I, it's fun being in synagogue for the high holidays. You know, I go to, to shul a lot. I'm there most weeks for Shabbat. But uh, when you go on the high holidays, everybody comes. All the, the Jews who only are Jewish for like two days a year. They all come and the people that we sit next to in synagogue, that's this married couple. They're, they're older. They're probably in their seventies, I guess now. And, um, about four or five years ago, I sit down right next to the wife and I look at her and I say, How was your year? It's nice to see you. You know, what's new? And she said, Well, we had a great year. Our daughter got married. And before I could stop myself, before I could think, before I could just try to filter what I said. I just, I looked at her after she said her daughter got married and I go, oh, you must be so relieved, which is not a very nice thing to say. And I'd never met the daughter. This was not a comment on the daughter's appearance. It's not like the daughter is some miskite who was unmarriageable. Like I just, I meant like, it's nice to have her off your payroll and, and wow, you can, you know, make her her husband's problem now. But then I really like doubled down on it and I tried to explain what I was saying. Cause I realized how offensive it was. And so I was like, you know what I mean is you must be so relieved that she's someone else's problem now and not yours. And then it was just, I mean, Oh God. I mean, it was, it was really, it was really stupid. Uh, so anyways, um, that, that wasn't a great moment this year, I guess it'll be different. I don't know if they're at a hundred percent capacity or not. Uh, it's unclear if you're going to have to wear a mask. Uh, you know, I assume most of the people there are vaccinated. I don't know. I'm just guessing. So it's probably a little performative to make everybody wear a mask, but whatever. Um, so, so maybe that's going to be a thing. Um, who knows? Also, Rosh Hashanah is a fantastic holiday for eating. I cook up a storm for Rosh Hashanah. It's like, Thanksgiving dinner, kind of like you've got a lot of family and you got a big group together. I usually make a brisket for Rosh Hashanah. I braise it. Braising, by the way, one of the best things that's ever happened to my cooking technique. Like it's it's pretty easy. You just you let the pot and the oven do most of the work, and the food comes out amazingly. And people are like, "Oh my god, you you worked so hard on this," but really, it just sat in the oven for three hours and and came out really well. But also, after you make that perfect brisket. There's nothing better than intentionally ruining Rosh Hashanah dinner by saying something outrageous. And you have to plan it in advance. You have to have the perfect line that you can drop just to, to, to get under the skin of your, your older relatives, of your aunts and uncles and in-laws. Cause you know, they're going to erupt when you say this. So, like, last year, for example, I went with, I think, trans people are braver than the troops, and then you just watch, you just stare and watch as everybody loses their minds, and I think that's a ton of fun, and you can do it, I mean, there's, you, you got to plan it out, but you can do it with with fun things, you can talk about um, how you're planning to, uh, to, to start using an emotional support peacock or you can talk about, um, you know, your, your, your favorite things about Pizzagate, whatever it is, make sure you have that one perfect line that you can just mic drop. It's time for a quick word from our sponsor. I love podcasts. You love podcasts. Osama bin Laden loved podcasts. I think he was a big true crime buff. And I published the Lee show using Anchor. I think it's a great service. I tested out a number of options. This was clearly the best. They have great sound quality. It's the same company. Anchor is made by the same company that created the weapons that cause Havana syndrome. How cool is that? And it's owned by Spotify as part of their quest to destroy Neil Young. Anchor provides the tools that let you record and edit from your phone, from your computer. I record my audio, I upload it, and distribute it to all the major podcasting platforms. It's very easy. They'll get you on Spotify, they'll get you on Apple Podcasts, all the leading players. And you can make big bucks. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So more serious topic. Today, I want to talk about something called the metaverse. And the metaverse is a new concept, relatively new concept. It's becoming more prevalent. You're going to start hearing this word in more places. And I think it's something you need to understand. And then we're going to talk about why this matters. So, so first, like what, what is the metaverse? And it's a tricky concept to explain. It's sort of like trying to explain the internet to someone in 1990 who has not Used a computer. Like that would be a, a tough, that would be a tough thing to do. Like my grandfather, I used to go over to his, his apartment and he would say to me, this was like, I don't know, maybe 1998, 99, I don't know, sometime around then. And he'd say, tell me what is internet? And, you know, I'd have to sit there and try to explain it to him. Of course, he would forget it by the next time I saw him, but that's a bit of what it's like to try to explain to someone what is a metaverse? It's like me trying to explain to my grandfather what is internet. So one good way to describe it is to use analogies so that you can try to visualize what I'm talking about. Broadly, a metaverse is a universe of universes. So first let's, let's visualize it. Imagine a sphere with other spheres inside of it. Imagine a beach ball, a giant beach ball with a whole lot of beach balls inside of it where the big one on the outside is the metaverse and all the small ones inside of it are universes that exist within the metaverse. Now let's try a couple of examples that might illustrate what I'm talking about. Uh, One of them is Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, these, these characters and these fictional concepts. You know, Disney has all these characters. They each have their own story, their own world, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin. I can't name many others. Cinderella? Cinderella? Snow White? Is that Disney? The Lion King, maybe? I don't really know. Anyways, uh, Frozen. Was that one of theirs? Frozen? Who knows? Shrek? Also, as long as we're talking about Disney, can we talk about how these Disney stories don't make any fucking sense? Like, I saw Frozen, and it's idiotic. You have these two girls and... They're meant to be some kind of uneducated regents that they just take over as as queens or princesses of this make-believe country, and one of them is locked in a room. So how does she get her food? Is she ever educated? Does she have any schooling? What about the other one? Like, how how do they function? And by the way, if she can always keep her gloves on, why does she need to be locked away in a room? The whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And that's all of these movies. Like you watch it and you're like, what on earth are they talking about? It it just, it doesn't, it doesn't ring true or sensible, whatever. Anyways, so they create all of these characters and each character has its own universe. Each movie is its own universe, which it's with it, with the characters, with the plots, with its own reality. And then Disney is the broader metaverse around it. And so when you go to, a Disney theme park, you go to Disneyland or something, each ride is sort of like its own, each attraction is sort of like its own universe within the broader universe of Disneyland. And so if you think about it from that context, you can have at an amusement park, you can have your own currency, right? You go in, you exchange dollars for tickets. That's the currency of the theme park. And then you use your tickets for whatever the next event or the next ride or the next game is you know marvel marvel comics it's the same thing spider-man captain america they each have their own universe but what happens in one universe doesn't necessarily affect a different one right like if, if you are in spider-man and there's a bad guy and he blows up new york city that doesn't mean that in the captain america comics that new york city is blown up There is a sort of persistence and independence of each of them, as if they are mirror worlds with differences to them. And the newer meaning of metaverse is to refer to video games and virtual spaces. Roblox is a computer game that encompasses other computer games. It is a metaverse. It is a world of worlds. And users of Roblox can either create new games inside of it, or they can play in the games that are already there. To give you a sense, out of the 36 million people who use Roblox every day, about 7 million of them actively create new worlds. So about 20% of their users are creators. The other 80% are focused on playing and using it. And Roblox has, it has, Roblox calls it human- Co-experience because different people can experience the same thing together. In a sense, Roblox has created these tools that democratize video game making, right? It used to be that you needed to work for a huge company, for a huge production studio in order to make a video game. It used to be that you had to work for a radio station in order to go and rant on the radio, but now you can have a podcast. It used to be that you needed to work for a newspaper to go out and write a whole bunch of articles. You can just do it on Substack now. Roblox is doing that for video games. And Roblox describes the metaverse as a persistent, shared 3D virtual space inside of a virtual universe. It's a lot of words. This is a concept that's been written about by science fiction writers for many years. The idea is you enter Roblox. And it's it's like a whole world that you can explore. Different rooms, different games, different areas that you can explore. And on the Roblox platform, there are characteristics that are relevant to the metaverses of the future. One is the concept of identity. Every user in Roblox has a unique avatar that's persistent. It is you. It's unique and it's you. And it's portable from one Roblox game to another. It's not yet portable from Roblox to a different metaverse, but it's portable within Roblox. And you can outfit it and you can buy things for your avatar. The second characteristic is friends. Users of Roblox, it's a social, it's a social experience that you can, ex- you can interact with people, some of whom you know in the real world, some people you'll meet on Roblox, and it is immersive it is 3d the visual components are becoming increasingly realistic it's anywhere you can access it from anywhere in the world for the most part on any manner of devices and it it has an economy to it roblox has its own currency just as we talked about the amusement park with its tickets roblox has something called robux users purchase these and they can be used in any of the roblox universes you can buy clothing for your avatar And then if you are a creator of games, you make money. You earn Robux by people spending them in your game. And so you've created an economy with producers and consumers. I think the future of the metaverse is even more immersive. Think of virtual reality, right? Rather than experiencing Roblox on a screen, on a TV screen or on a mobile phone, you can experience these things in a more immersive context. Now, the best we got right now is that you do it with glasses and goggles and those are horrible. I don't know if you've tried those 3D goggles, but they make you feel dizzy and nauseated. They they mess up your hair when you put them on. They're very uncomfortable for your head. So I think those are highly overrated and and pretty stupid, but there's going to inevitably be a successor to that. I mean, think of what, FaceTime or Zoom does for the experience of a phone call. You just you add new senses to the experience, right? You take something that was entirely audio based, and now it is visual. You can add text, you can add special effects. Think of that in a social context. Imagine there's a persistent virtual space where you can socialize, where you can work, where you can interact with other people. You know, just as The concept of working remotely, and as that has become normalized, it's made it a lot less essential to live near the place where you work. This is going to make the experience of remote work even more engaging and interpersonal. So why does this matter? Like, why am I talking about this? Well, first of all, I just think it's a thing you need to know about because it's an important concept. But also, I look at this as the future of the internet. This is like the, the, the manifestation of Internet 3.0. And I see the Internet right now being cleaved in two. The Internet for a long time was this global construct. It's one thing. It's the same everywhere. You access it through a web browser no matter where you are. But over the past decade, a little more than a decade, China has divided it. And China has created something called the Great Firewall. And the Great Firewall is this combination of laws and technology and people that regulate the internet in China. And the idea is to control the information that's available to Chinese citizens. China wants to limit access to foreign sources of information. They want to block foreign tools. In China, you cannot access Google, Facebook, Wikipedia, Twitter. The Chinese don't want their citizens using that because they know that there's lots of uncomfortable truths that will, people will find. They want to pretend that things like the Tiananmen Square massacre never happened. And the great firewall forces foreign companies to adapt to Chinese regulations. If you want access to that market, you have to play by the Chinese rules. And it allows the communist party to control any information that they see as inconvenient or inappropriate. And China has created its own national champions. They have WeChat, Weibo, Baidu, others. And and within these applications, the ruling Communist Party can control everything. If you post something that the government does not like, they can delete it instantly. If you try to text your friends something about Tiananmen Square or about uh, oppression of the riots in Hong Kong, poof, it's gone. And the government knows exactly what you did. And you better believe they're coming for you. Several years ago, China launched a program called the Belt and Road Initiative. And the BRI is a massive program of foreign investment in countries around the world. China has used money to bribe its way to good relations with other countries. And the basic premise is that China goes to a poor country, let's say Sri Lanka, and they say, we'll loan you a hundred million dollars to build a new port. And Sri Lanka is like, okay, cool, a new port, we could use one of those. And China says, by the way, if you miss a single interest payment on that port, we're gonna take ownership of it. So China then brings in its own workers, its own engineering, they build the port. They know full well that Sri Lanka cannot afford the debt service and to make good on that loan. And so when Sri Lanka defaults, which they inevitably will, China now owns this valuable infrastructure asset. And they repeat this throughout the world so that they own these assets that reach from China through Southeast Asia, surrounding India, into Africa, into Europe. Why do you think COVID spread to Milan so early? Do you ever wonder why Milan was the first city? It's because Milan and Wuhan have very strong commercial ties. Italy is the only country in Western Europe that is a part of the BRI. Now, concurrent with the BRI is a program that China calls the Digital Silk Road. And the Digital Silk Road is the technology component of the Belt and Road Initiative. China goes into these countries and they provide telecommunications equipment, artificial intelligence capabilities, cloud computing, e-commerce. China wants each of these countries using its tools, using its equipment, using its national champions to build stuff. China has options that can compete with any of the offerings from the West, and they want to see these offerings adopted by as many countries as possible. In Africa, this is an amazing stat. In Africa, China provides more financing for IT than every single multilateral agency and democracy Around the world combined provide in Africa. So the amount of financing to build telecom networks in Africa that China provides is more than the UN and every other country around the world and every other organization combined is spending in Africa. So why, why is this objectionable? As we've discussed on this podcast, when China installs 5G equipment that's made by Huawei, that's the Chinese equipment maker. They have the ability to put in backdoors. They can spy on network traffic just as they do within China. They can remotely disable those networks in the event of conflict. They're unhappy with you. Poof, your entire cell phone network just got shut down. These are not benevolent offers. China has the ability to weaponize these investments around the world, and they bring other countries into China's sphere of influence. They bring you under China's thumb. Once you are locked into this equipment and this software, you're stuck with it. In a sense, China is creating its own alternative internet. It's an alternative metaverse with all of these different universes inside of it. Once a country adopts China's tools, it sets the stage for more authoritarianism, for less freedom, for more control by governments. And bad actors. Once you have these capabilities, there's going to be someone who says, Hey, we should use them. And it neuters countries. They, they are permanently on China's side. They have no ability to fight back. It is crucial that we lobby hard against this and we offer a competing approach. It is essential to American primacy around the world that we can prevent the adoption of this technology. No Chinese 5G cell phone networks made by Huawei. No Chinese handsets made by Xiaomi. No Chinese chips made by SMIC, no Chinese messaging services like WeChat or social media services like TikTok, even Zoom. Most people don't realize Zoom is Chinese and all of your data on Zoom is going through China. All of these things must be rejected. And so how does this connect to the metaverse? The metaverse is the future of technology. This is the future of how we are going to relate to each other virtually. And as we see this major evolution in the internet, in the technology stack, it's crucial that other countries are using our tools, using our capabilities. I don't care if they're using Roblox, but there are going to be many more consequential things than Roblox. The metaverse is the future. We need to plan for that, and we need to keep China out of it. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Wrestler Nation. You can find my writing on Substack. Please recommend this podcast to your friends, to your colleagues. You can sign up as a paid supporter on Anchor. Your support is crucial. Please do. We'll be back with more soon.